0: Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we believe growing a business should not be a mystery. The simple steps should not be kept from you, and anybody can become a Business Made Simple professional. This week, we're answering the question, is it possible to grow your business working only six-hour days? Michael Hyatt, co-author of the new book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life, is convinced you can You'll hear why he thinks that as he shares his insight into how fewer, more focused hours can lead to significant growth in your business. But first, let's check in with our host Donald Miller and co-hosts Dr. JJ Peterson and Kula Callahan.
1: Covid has obviously changed a lot, and the biggest thing that has changed is the way we work.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think
1: yeah. a lot of people have discovered that they don't need an office. We discovered we don't need an office, and the other thing that's changed is office hours, mm-hmm. uh, office routines. Things have just dramatically changed. I got more work done during this COVID year from March until you know now. Than I have probably any previous year in my life.
2: I feel like I was more productive too. Honestly, there's something about being able to choose your own work schedule and hone in on the hours where you know you're most productive and where you know you're most mentally sharp. It just it helps me get so much more work done. And I feel like for a lot of companies who have that kind of, you know, time clock punch in, punch out system, people feel like they have to be doing something at their desk from eight to five or nine to five. Yeah. And a lot of the time that work is not productive work. It's just looking like they're emailing people and trying to figure out ways to fill their time. And really they would be more productive if they were able to work, you know, seven to nine, take a couple hours to go on a walk or get lunch or something, and then work in the evening when they know that they're, you know, at their prime.
1: This conversation probably sounds familiar to the majority of our listeners because they're trying to figure it out. There's some fear as the owner. And I I promise I don't have this fear, but I did at first that, you know, if, if people aren't Organized. If if we're not if we haven't you know gotten in the same room and decided what we're all going to do, there are going to be working in twenty five different directions. Uh, Honestly, I know how it is to work from home, and I'm just kind of like, well, I'm not feeling it today, so I'll watch a little bit of Netflix and eat some ice cream, and then you know nine p.m. at night, I go, okay, well, it's time to work. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I know how that is. But do you trust other people? Do you trust the vision and the discipline to other people? We had to do it, Mm -hmm. and productivity increased. And it was a little disheartening to know that I wasn't the only one with self-discipline and self-control <laughs> and self-respect like I thought I was at the beginning, oh but it turns out I'm not. It worked out great. Well, Michael Hyatt has written a book called When at Work, Succeed at Life, and he's tackling this very issue. How do you give people actual work-life balance? You know, it's so funny. There's these ads that come on. Uh, they're not ads. They're articles in my newsfeed because I subscribe to Inc., Fortune, Forbes, Business Insider. You know, And every once in a while, I'm not kidding, but maybe every once a month, an article comes up that says, get ready for the four-day work week. Friday's coming. You're going to get Friday <laughs> off. And, you, and every time I know exactly what this is, it's a 24-year-old with their first writing assignment. <laughs> Pushing an agenda (laughs) because they want Fridays off. But it may, you know, it could happen someday. Yeah. We don't know. I'm not honestly totally against that idea, except it's really unfair to people in customer service and people who have to, you know, (laughs) show up and actually answer the phone. But, you know, I think there's all sorts of things that if you're going to go to this type of lifestyle and work style, you got to set a vision. It's got to be super clear. You got to have those 9 a.m. stand up meetings. This sort of efficiency that we experienced came with an organized system and a way to distribute work. And that's the only way it would have worked. And, and, and I think everybody's happy because they know what's expected of them. They know when that stuff needs to be turned in. Uh, if you just say, hey, work from home and get your stuff done, but you're not actually good at managing folks – you're going to drive yourself crazy. And you're, going to, you're going to drive your people crazy even more.
2: I think another thing done that I felt, and I know a number of people in our staff felt is that this empowerment of knowing that the company trusts you to get your work done on time and still produce a high quality output while you're not in the office. So I feel like, you know, for a lot of owners of businesses, it's that trust factor. Like are people actually going to do work from home? And are mm-hmm. we actually going to continue to hit our metrics? But I think when you empower your staff with the ability to work from home and, and kind of make their own schedule, I mean, there are meetings that you have to be at and things like that, but I feel like, you know, having that trust from the organization is, is actually a motivating factor in continuing to produce yeah. high quality work at a high output, yeah. even if you're not in an office.
1: And I actually have the data to prove that empowering your people works. Totally. Because every night you get a text message with the number of keystrokes that you put into your computer. <laughs> how often you were sitting in your chair, whether you walked away. What, you know, all of that data is sent to me every night. And I'm telling you, it works. <laughs> well, you know, with every tragedy, with every challenge, with every hardship, there is there is almost always some sort of silver lining. And I'm so glad that Michael, because he's got a great mind, Michael Hyatt has explored this topic to give us some insight on what the new work life might be like. And uh, and apparently he's, he's saying it could be pretty good. So his book is When at Work, Succeed at Life. Here's my conversation with Michael Hyatt. When at Work, Succeed at Life. Mike Hyatt, I've known you for a long time, and uh, you, you seem to have always been doing both. <laughs> it's about time. Well, thanks.
3: Not true, but thank you.
1: No, come on. Yeah, I mean, we go way back. You, you, we say this every time I interview on the podcast. You, you uh, published Blue Like Jazz. You were the, the CEO of Thomas Nelson. You published that. And then, I don't know how many times you, me, Gail, and Betsy have had dinner, but it's it's quite a few. And uh, we've spent good time together. And you really do model work-life balance extremely well. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Okay. Do you think there are seasons in which it is appropriate and good to build your empire and work a little harder than you do in other seasons? And by a little harder, I mean... You don't have any friends or any hobbies. <laughs> you just built,
3: I'm asking for a friend. Do you, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say. You, <laughs> I, I see where this is going. No, absolutely, it's absolutely appropriate that there are certain seasons in your life when you're going to intentionally go out of balance, and that's the key word, intentionally. The problem is, and, and the other key word is out of balance because you, you. That's right. There
1: is such thing as balance, and you are willingly leaving it for a minute.
3: That's right, and and. A, a, All I suggest is that it be intentional, that -hmm. it be in consultation with your spouse if you're married so that nobody's surprised and that it's truly temporary because here's what I did. I lied to my wife, Gail, for years. I didn't, wasn't really intentional, but essentially that's what I did because I would say to her, honey, look, I just started this new position. Once I get acclimated, then I'll give you and the girls the time and attention you deserve. And then Hmm. Somebody would resign and I'd say, okay, look, I got this marketing director position vacant. And as soon as I hire a position, then I'll be, you know, give you guys the time and attention you deserve. And then it was like one thing after another. And pretty soon it was a whole lifestyle. Well, you ended up in the hospital. We've said that on the podcast before you ended up in
1: some, in some medical trouble.
3: But, but I'll tell you even a more consequential thing. uh, I ended up in marriage hospital. (laughs) And so here's what happened. And you knew me just after this time. So I became the general manager for Nelson books, which is one of Thomas Nelson's 14 book publishing divisions back in the year 2000. And it was my dream job. I mean, I was thrilled. What I didn't know at the time was that that division was dead last in every significant financial metric. It was losing money. It wasn't growing. The the, the morale of the team was terrible. And so the CEO, Sam Moore at the time said, how long is it going to take you to turn this around? Donna, I didn't have a clue, but I pulled a number out of the air and I said, I've, I think we can do it in three years. He said, well, that's kind of what I was thinking, so go for it. So I went back to the team, rolled up my sleeves, painted a a vision for what could happen, and we all got to work. Well, here's the cool part of it. We turned it around, went from number 14 to number one, fastest growing, most profitable, best team morale in 18 months. Half the time, I told the CEO. I got the biggest bonus check I'd ever received in my career to that point. In fact, it was more than my annual salary. So I knew that Gail would be thrilled with this because she's always been my biggest supporter, my biggest cheerleader. So man, I, you know, I bounced through the back door. I couldn't wait to show her this check. And I showed it to her and I said, honey, you're never gonna believe this. Look at this. And she just wasn't that enthusiastic. Mm. And she said, we need to talk. And I just felt my heart sink because I just, I knew it was gonna be one of those talks. So we went into the den, we sat down and she began to tear up a little bit. And she said, you know, I love you. And I always appreciate everything you've done for our family. But I got to tell you, she said, you're never home. And she said, even when you are, you're not really here. Yeah. And and so part of me wanted to really defend myself, right? But I knew she was right. And then she said, your girls, I have five daughters. She said, your girls need you more than ever right now. And then she started crying and choked up. And she said, honestly, I feel like a single mom. Wow. That was a huge gut kick to me because here I was thinking that I'd reached the pinnacle of success. You know, my dream job turned this division around, made this huge amount of money, but it was a false summit. And that's when my education began about work-life balance. Well, and, and you and I are wired similarly, both
1: probably in Egram threes. I think we've had yep. that conversation before. And there's, a, there's a, a subconscious kind of lie that I believe that literally winning Will make me uh more attractive to my spouse it's so you know it's like well, she's getting paid too because I'm a winner, and, you know, and she just could care less. Betsy sat me down, Mike, and she said, uh these are her words she said uh i I will not live inside of a working family, and what that means is not uh you know that we function well it means I'm not going to marry a workaholic. In other words, this family does not exist
3: to grow your company. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> We're not a prop in your life. You know, the truth is, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would do it differently. And one of the first things that happened to me after that conversation with Gail in the den was I said, I got to have some help. Man, I don't even know what it looks like. Because, But here's the thing. Work is fun, particularly for those of us that love our work. And it's addictive for, for reasons we talk about in when, when at work and succeed at life, but work is just fun. I mean, it's where we get the rewards. It's where we can measure the progress. It's where we get lots of affirmation, you know? And so to think about doing non-work stuff is, and especially for people that are achievers like us or Enneagram threes, it's like, what does that even look like? I don't even know what to do. So I, so I hired an executive coach it was Daniel Harkavy, whom you know, yep. a mutual I know friend. And
1: I know and love Daniel. He's brilliant.
3: Yeah. So he he got me into a life plan. And, and so the first thing he had me do was kind of start at the end, which is a big Stephen Covey idea, begin with the end in mind, Yeah, and just imagine my funeral. and And so I was trying to imagine what that might look like. And by the way, Stephen Covey just didn't come up with that. Somebody challenged me when I quoted this in the book. Uh, living forward that I wrote with Daniel about life planning, but it was actually a Michael Gerber idea.
1: Oh, well, you know what? I, I read my obituary every morning and in our hero on a mission life plan, we, we guide people through writing their obituary. I've always attributed that to Stephen Covey, but there was yeah. somebody before him.
3: Yeah, I was forced to go back. Uh, unfortunately, Covey didn't attribute it to Gerber, but Gerber is the originator of that idea, at least in print. So that's, that was the turning point for me is to say, wait a second, you know, I've got, who knows, 30, 40, maybe a day. I don't know how long I got left. Yeah. And what do I want to invest in my life that really matters so that when I get to the end of my days, I still have a wife that loves me. I've been married for 42 years. I've got five daughters that want to be with me. And right now, thank God, they all live within uh, 20 minutes of me and all nine of my grandkids live within two minutes of me. Wow. And so that's amazing. I feel like I'm in, you know, I'm in great health and all that stuff, but, but that doesn't just happen. You have to put in some boundaries. You do. And, okay, that's a key concept. Can I talk about that for a minute? Because it's key. Yes. So the subtitle for the book is called Five Principles to Free Yourself from the Cult of Overwork. And we live, and I don't know if a better term, the cult of overwork. We've got people like, you know, Elon Musk, a celebrity entrepreneur who many young entrepreneurs admire and almost worship. Idolize. Who, uh, idolize. And he says, you got to be working 120 hours a week. But he's now like on his third marriage. His five sons, I think he actually has six kids now, but his five sons won't talk to him. That's that's not where I want to end up. Yeah, he's accomplished great things. I don't mean this in a judgy way, but I think before we start following somebody like that, we gotta we gotta consider the outcome of their life. You know, is that is that how we define success or do we define it in a different way? And so one of the principles in the book is this idea of boundaries. We call them constraints. But one of the things that Daniel did with me at the very beginning was he said, Dude, he said, you have no constraints on your life. So he said, tell me if I'm wrong. But he said, here's what I think your day's like. Middle of the afternoon, you think to yourself, I'm not going to get my to-do list done today, but it's okay because I can go home, you know, have a quick meal with the family and then I can pop open my laptop and continue working. Or you get to Friday and you say, I didn't finish the work for the week. So no problem. I'll work Saturday morning. I'll work Sunday night. And you're probably the kind of guy that drags your work into your vacation. So you get up well, well before the family and you're processing email and doing all that stuff. And I said, you know, bingo, I'm that guy. And as it turns out, most people are that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm that person. You just described me. I, I've been, we're going on vacation next week. Absolutely no way I'm taking my computer. No way I'm taking my computer. This morning went, ah, you know, I got to get some work done on this book. I'm going to love the computer.
3: I, but, but here's the thing that, that is awesome about constraints. So he challenged me. He said to me, when are you willing to quit work? And I mean, really quit work, shut the laptop and don't do any more work for the day. I want you to make a commitment to me. And I said, uh, I'm willing to commit gulp to do it at 6 p.m., which felt like at the time was a stretch. I'll come back and tell you what I'm, I've been doing for the last year. But I came back and, and, and said 6 p.m. And he said, okay, how about weekends? And I said, I'm willing not to work on weekends. And he said, what about vacations? I said, okay, I'm willing to not work on vacations. He said, okay, great. He said, would you mind if I occasionally pick up the phone and call Gail and check in on how you're doing. Suddenly <laughs> suddenly got real, you know, and I thought, oh my God. And he did. He would call yeah. her initially, you know, once a quarter, then every six months or so. And because you know how it is being an Enneagram three, we spin everything. Yeah. 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 We do <laughs> to ourselves, to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, to we don't ourselves. even know we're lying. We're trying to make ourselves <laughs> look better than we are. <laughs> so, so that's what, so that's what he, what he started doing, but that helped in a huge way. Now, Fast forward, just just to show you how this plays out in real life, and I've done this for a number of years, and you've heard me say this publicly, but, you know, I took off 162 days last year, and our business on the bottom line, where, you know, is what counts, we were up on the bottom line by 101%, and that was in a, in a pandemic year, but that was taking 162 days. That was every weekend, every holiday, and 11 weeks worth of vacation. Okay, I want to get to this part of the book
1: because you you talk about, uh, you know, COVID has changed everything for so many companies. And a lot of people like me have realized that working remote, letting my team work remote, is actually doesn't cost us anything. We actually make money because we were were able to sell our office. So a lot of people who were unwilling to make that move had to make that move and realized there was no downside. In fact, morale increase. Uh, My favorite part is kids got to spend time with their moms and dads. I don't know that that's the moms and dads' favorite part, but that was my favorite part seeing that happening. But you know, it's a beautiful thing. But now, what we all want is structure, and we all want a little more affirmation, Michael. We want somebody like you to say, "Hey, it is possible. It is real. Here's some structure for your team." So we know you've done this personally, and it's worked really well. What do you let your team do? And I hate I hate the word "let" because it makes you sound like a dictator. But what sort of rules do you put in place and boundaries do you put in place? But in real, realistically though, you you run a staff. Your morale is high. People love working with you. What what are some of the rules that you've put in place post
3: COVID? So let me tell you what we were doing pre COVID, so that you have a way to contrast this. So pre COVID, we have about uh, today we have about forty seven full time employees. But pre COVID, we said first of all, we really and one of our core values is intentional margin. So we really want people to not work in the evenings. We want them to not work on the weekends. We don't expect our emails to be returned. And we tell all of our leaders and managers and executives do not email people or communicate on Slack or anything after hours unless it's an emergency. So we really try to respect that, a 40 hour work week. COVID happens, it's the end of March and we're noticing the same things every business owner noticed is that people now have kids underfoot, no daycare, they're going crazy. So we said, as an experiment, and this is how we sucker ourselves into everything, We said, as an experiment, we're going to go to a six-hour workday, and we're going to try it for two weeks, and then we're going to, you know, reconvene and see how it went. and And the key factor, whether or not we continue, is can we keep our productivity up? And by productivity, I'm really simple about that: Are we generating, you know, the revenue we need to and the profit we need to? After two weeks, we got together, and I asked the executives, the executive team. They all said, we really can't tell any difference. I mean this is amazing. It's forcing people to make better decisions about how they use their time during those six hours. So we said, okay, let's do it for another month. And then we rolled it out through the summer. And then we did strategic planning in September with our leadership team. And we said, okay, this is working so well, we're making it permanent. And I believe counterintuitively that this had a direct impact on our profitability this last year. We just made better decisions. We got involved in less busy work, less fake work, we were really focused and it drove the results.
1: Deadlines and constraints, they drive productivity and efficiency like crazy. Let me just ask a question from our perspective at our company. You know, we don't have, you know, nobody clocks in, clocks out. You just have stuff you have to do, do it whenever you want to do it. I could care less if, if somebody works three hours one day and then they have to be with their kids the rest of the day. I don't, you know, it just doesn't matter. We, we just have a things that you've got to get done and it works like a clock in the sense that if you miss that, then the next person misses it. So there's built-in accountability in terms of workflow. How did you, or do you care about the actual six hours sitting in a chair? Or, or is that an, an idea where you just say, look, don't, don't work more than six hours in a day?
3: You know, how, how are you enforcing that, I guess, is what I'm asking. You know, we, we don't enforce it very well because we're not very good policemen. You know, it's all I can do to keep up with my own life. But, you know, basically we encourage people to work nine to three only because the collaboration that's necessary you know, people are online together. They're able to communicate through Slack and Zoom, and we're not interrupting, you know, the time after work. There are seasons, you know, there are projects that, you know, go over time and we all get that and we just accommodate to it. Sounds like
1: it's doable. It's a good quote in your book. Uh, A book, again, is when at work, succeed at life. Work is like water. It's life-giving. It also flows wherever it can, unless otherwise constrained. We need hard edges to access its life-giving properties Think about what reservoirs and drinking glasses do for us. Without those hard edges, water can be destructive. Think about a river overflowing its banks and flooding low-lying streets and homes. I think a, a lot of people identify with that metaphor. It's what's going on in their lives. And listen, you know, I, Michael and I have known each other a really long time, and I consider him a role model. And I'm telling you... You know, Enneagram threes aside, and all of our spin, you can't spin it that long. <laughs> you know, if you, if you weren't doing it, it would show. All right, Michael is the best in the business at giving away bonuses. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of great content whenever he releases a book. You can get all of his bonuses plus the book at Win and Succeed book winandsucceedbook slash bms. Short for business made simple. So what Mike does with that is he looks at that number and he decides whether to come back on the podcast because not enough of you got the free bonuses. Dang, Since you're onto right this. He's just got, he's just a productivity machine. Winandsucceedbook.com slash BMS. Get all those free bonuses and get the book. Listen, if, you're, if you're, you feel like uh, it's time to start over and uh, chart a different course, create some boundaries, create a workflow, create a factory floor for your life, Michael is the king. The book again, Win It Works, Succeed at Life by Michael Hyatt and Megan Hyatt Miller. Michael, thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy.
0: Did you know StoryBrand certifies marketing experts who can overhaul your marketing plan? This week's Marketing Minute tip comes from StoryBrand certified guide, Will Turner, whose client was struggling to attract customers as a result of a confusing message.
2: When we looked at his communications, we realized that the language he was using didn't reflect the drive of the organization or the deeper problem that they were addressing. He needed a one-liner that worked.
0: Does your business have a clear one-liner a statement clearly identifying the customer's problem the solution your business offers and what results for the customer from that solution if not hire a story brand certified guide like will turner today just go to marketingmadesimple.com because once will modified his client's one-liner
2: it worked so well that the organization even modified their mission statement Most importantly, he increased their revenue and connected to more customers.
0: Our StoryBrand Guides are the best marketers in the world. They know how to get your business a huge return and they're ready to work for you. Hire a StoryBrand Guide today at marketingmadesimple.com.
1: I joked with my interviewee, Michael Hyatt quite a bit about uh, you know, just kind of being somebody who doesn't like to take a lot of time off. And and there is truth to that. Uh I, I enjoy my work. I don't have a whole lot of hobbies. I go fishing a couple times a year and make sure to take a lot of pictures so that on Instagram people think I have in life. Uh but uh I do actually take evenings off to be with Betsy. I take weekends off. Uh, if you look at my calendar, it's loaded five days a week. And then that is uh, uh, those weeks are sandwiched between uh, two pieces of white bread. And what I mean by that is there's nothing on Saturday or Sunday, and I intentionally do that. And it's because, um, honestly, it's not be- not because I feel like I have good work-life balance, if I'm going to be brutally honest about my motives. It's because uh, I learned that as I got older, I just couldn't run that uh, fast uh, for that long, that I needed to rest, I needed to recoup, uh, I needed to watch some TV, I needed to read a book, I needed to talk to Betsy. I, I, I love the example that Michael Hyatt has set for so many years. And uh, I, I was thinking, you know, he, he did end up in the hospital because he was, he was working so hard. Many, many years ago that happened. And, um, and as he testified, he had to sit down with his wife and um, she explained things are going to have to change. I wonder about those of us who are a little younger who, who haven't had our heart attack yet and uh, haven't had those panic attacks and haven't had the wife sit down or the husband sit down and say, you know, this, is, this isn't going to work. I wonder if we can just preempt that and actually put some margin into our lives. One of the reasons that, as Mike and I talked about, that I read my obituary almost every morning uh, is because not only does it help me understand the direction I want to take my life, it reminds me that life is really short. Somebody said to to me once, Don, on your deathbed, um, you're not going to care that you worked so hard and and you won't think to yourself, uh, I wish I would have worked harder. And I just sat there thinking... That's exactly what I'm going to be thinking. I wasted so much time. I could have gotten so much done. I could have had a life of impact. But, you know, uh, as the, uh, an ancient text says, teach us to number our days. Again, as I get a little older, going to be 50 in uh, a few months, I think there's more and more wisdom to be gained by realizing that um, life is not just about work. While you can do a lot in this world, uh, it is not on you to perfect the world. Thank you, Michael Hyatt, for being so open about uh, your wonderful story. I'm, I'm deeply, deeply grateful. Thanks for listening to uh, this week's podcast. And uh, until next week, may you have an impact and still get some rest. That's it for this week. But before we go, do you know someone who
0: needs to hear today's message? Help them out by sharing this episode. The Business Made Simple podcast is hosted by Donald Miller and co-hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson and Kula Callahan. It's produced, engineered, and edited by Bobby Richards. Doug Kime and Tim Schur are the executive producers, and Lindsey Frail and Kerry Murdoch are co-producers. When you become a Business Made Simple professional at businessmadesimple.com, you get access to our library of courses that take the mystery out of growing a business. Become a Business Made Simple professional today at businessmadesimple.com.